Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are and all that you've done for us. I thank you, Lord our God, for the gift of our lives and our faith. And ask Lord that you bless married couples, bless all those who are married and who will soon to be married, all couples that are engaged. Lord, that you'd give them uh, an openness to receive, Lord, what you are waiting to give. And Lord, just lavish great gifts upon Bethany and Joe as they celebrate their nuptial mass on Saturday. Lord, just be with them. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of uh, married life and married love. Thank you for the gift of the sacrament of holy matrimony. Lord, raise up many Catholic couples and families to radiate who you are, the, the rarely reality of the, of the Blessed Trinity, that a Catholic vision of marriage would be um, radiant in our world today. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Excuse me. Um, My throat's a little bit off today, so I'm going to be sipping some nice warm, or actually hot coffee (laughs) as I record the program. Boy, I got so many things to talk about. I think some of it, um, maybe that's a good entry point. I mentioned uh, Joe and Bethany. Bethany is my goddaughter, and she will be married on Saturday. So Carrie's actually getting us packed to be at the wedding. Um, we're going to be heading out uh, to Seattle to be at the wedding, which is wonderful uh, for our, our goddaughter, um, Bethany. And, and actually, just as I, as I think about this program, gosh, several, just a bunch of things come to mind. The first is, so it's my goddaughter getting married. She's my niece. And I think about the ways in which I was called to be an influence to her, not not just by, you know, being her uncle or by hopefully raising a family that she would look to um, in a positive way as a family filled with faith. But I also think about it just in terms of she's my goddaughter, and did I fulfill my responsibility, my God-given and uh, in-law entrusted responsibility to be her godfather. And um, it's moments like this that it makes me ponder that. Um, I know that at times, and just let me ask you, do you guys have any godchildren, right? Do you have, even do you have um, uh, confirmation, were you ever a confirmation sponsor for someone? And um, every now and then, this is something that, I don't know, I feel a bit convicted by. Sometimes it's, Carrie will bring it up. She'll be referencing this or that, niece or nephew. Um, From the standpoint, not that they're our niece and nephew, but our godchildren or friends of ours um, for whom we had the privilege to be godparents. Um, It's it's something that, like, do you pray for them every day? Do you, like, are they on a prayer list of yours? Do you think about praying for them? And when you do, is it just perfunctory? I mean, the fact that they're on your list and that you pray for them by name would, would be a powerful thing all by itself. But even more, if there was this sense of like openness to say, um, you know, I, I, this she came to mind. And so I'm praying for her, for her protection, for blessings, for guidance, right? For those sorts of things. And, um, and, and I want to say that, I don't know, I, I, I don't know, I, I hope I got a passing grade in the eyes of God. I do know at times I did have an awareness and a sense of commitment to pray for my godchildren, like on a on a like significant basis, like meaningfully praying for them, specifically seeking God for them. Uh, but those times when I acted in that in that way, I think that those were pretty spread out. Um, I, I think a lot of times they. My godchildren haven't been um, at the forefront of my awareness um, when I pray, um, and, and I don't know what about what about you when you think about that. Like, if not, maybe that's something to do. Like, as, as I think about now that now that um, she's getting married on Saturday tomorrow, I'll pray for her. There you go. There's a there's a blessing. I hopefully I'll be providing. If you would just say a prayer for me right now with 
uh, for Bethany and for Joe. Lord our God, I thank you for the gift of this goddaughter of mine. In fact, Lord, I pray for all of my godchildren, each of them and all of them, as well as for all of those young men and women for whom I stood as confirmation sponsor. I pray for them as well. That, Lord our God, that you would unleash upon their lives, each and all of them, the gifts and graces that you poured forth upon them so generously in their baptisms and in their confirmations. Lord, may they be unbound and set free in every way to know you and love you and serve you. And may they be blessed in their vocations. Lord, I ask that you would lavish tremendous blessings upon their married lives or their vocations for those that are called to be uh, consecrated religious or priest. Lord, I just ask that you would bless them. And uh, in a very special way, I do pray for Joe and Bethany. I ask, Lord, that you'd prepare them for each other and prepare them for the graces that they will be receiving um, on Saturday. And Lord, may their marriage be protected from any harm and danger. May they lay good foundations rooted in faith. And may they undergo any healing needed to be able to open them to um, the journey, the mission, uh, the, uh, the, the adventure that you have assigned to their lives. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being her godfather. And I ask, Lord, that you would uh, make up for any gap, any lack of my fervor or faith or attention um, in the ways that I have been assigned her as a godfather uh, to be my goddaughter. And, and I just said, make up for the gap, Lord. And I pray that also for um, all these dear ones who are praying with me right now for their godchildren and their confirmation, their confirmandi, the ones for whom they were confirmation sponsors. Lord, we just come before you and, and we just come before you with great saints in heaven. And we just come before your throne, Jesus, and we just say, bless them, Lord, and make up for those days and those years, even those decades where they have not been in our minds or on our hearts, and, and we haven't been fervent and committed in praying for them. Lord, just give us an awareness of the privilege and the entrustment, the stewardship that was given to us when we were made godparents. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, so, beautiful prayer. By the way, while I've got you in that mode of prayer, just say a prayer for Mary Grace. Uh, my oldest daughter, uh, she was diagnosed with COVID a couple days ago. Um, she'd been sick with the flu-like symptoms for about a week now, it was about a week ago, it was last Friday when she called us and said that she wasn't feeling well. Um, she was actually going to be driving um, back home and then driving with us to the wedding. But um, on Tuesday, when she was going to drive up here, she just felt so bad that um, she ended up going and getting tested for COVID. And sure enough, she has tested positive. And as of right now, Thursday night, she's been feeling the, the heavy symptoms of the, of the flu of that virus. So just pray for her and pray for um, any other family members or, or loved ones uh, in this beautiful um, uh, program, uh, our own community of faith here, just from listeners um, who might have loved ones that are being seriously impacted by COVID, um, that they would be quickly unbound and set free from that virus and that any treatments they're following would have maximum um, health-bringing effects, and they be preserved from any serious negative impacts. Thank you, Lord. Amen. In the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, it's um, it's it was really interesting. Carrie and I went away for a few days, uh, just like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We got back earlier today on my anniversary, just to get away for two nights, just to be able to like reflect a bit on like okay, where are we at in our married life, you know, 27 years in, and so what's happening in our family, and and what do we want to discern? It's sort of like the Vatican II, right? Gaudium et Spes, paragraph two, I think it's paragraph two, maybe paragraph four, says that it, in every age, it's the church's responsibility to read the signs of the times and to interpret them in the light of the gospel. In every age. Now, just take out the church and put in you, you know, as a husband, 
as a father, as a wife, as a mother, in every age of your married life, every so often, right, you have a responsibility of reading the signs, reading the signs of the times. Like, what's going on right now? What's happening in our family? What's happening in our lives as a couple? What's happening in our kids' lives? And interpret them. Like, God, where are you at work? What are you up to? Interpret them in the light of the gospel. And that work of what? Discerning and obeying, right? Discerning and obeying, listening and following. That, that's fundamental for our life of faith. And it's fundamental if we're going to fulfill the responsibility that's ours in any role of leadership that we have in, in our lives. And so, so that's what Carrie and I were doing. And it's so interesting. One of the things we learned going away for two nights is that we really needed to go away for three nights. <laughs> One of the things that we shared uh, when we were talking last week is that we were going away and that like the first 24 hours, a lot of it is just decompressing, you know, just sort of sleeping and just sort of catching up. And um, yeah, I think you know that, right? Like when when you're just sort of pressing, 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 and then finally when you give your body a break, your body says, okay, I can just crash now. And um, oftentimes that's when we become vulnerable to like flus and all of that. So we didn't get a lot of work done. It was more just relaxing and um, taking it easy. Uh, one of the things that um, we have done in situations like that was, oh, let's find a, a series that we can binge watch, just sort of an easy easy show that's fun and light, not too intense, um, and something that we can enjoy. And so um, Carrie picked a show that she had seen some of the um, of the episodes and that it was like, I guess they just released the second season. And she had enjoyed it, a little, some reservations, but had enjoyed it um, to... Um, up to the point that she had seen. And she's like, let's just give this a chance. You know, give it a chance, Tom, see if you like it. And so I'm going to name it only because I don't want you to watch it. Um, and uh, and I'll tell you why. It's actually, it's quite clever. Uh, it's called Ted Lasso, L-A-S-S-O. It's on like Apple TV, uh, Ted Lasso. And I, I don't know if it's like, I think it's, it's, it's really mostly considered a comedy, but it definitely has dramatic elements in it. It's about a football coach who gets brought to England to be a, a soccer coach. And the clever part of this is that the first episode was really funny. It was really funny. Um, the, the main character is somewhat endearing, kind of like a like simple, but you know, there's like more going on there than maybe the simplicity lets on. And uh it's sort of like so it's just there's like an enjoyable like kind of flow to it. There's a lot of kind of quirky characters that are kind of funny, but it's not like slapstick. It's a little more clever than that. Um, and something that began to happen as the episodes went on, slowly at first, um, gradually, and then more suddenly and and um, intensively as we got towards the end of the season, the first season. And that was the way in which the episodes became more and more vulgar. Vulgar, especially in terms of language and in terms of sexual references. And then weaving, weaving in towards the end as well, um, uh, references to like understandings of morality and even of faith in God that were just um, really just disappointing, just terrible, just terrible. And by the time we got to the last episode, it was just sort of, it was almost like, okay, just sort of kind of grit your teeth and just like get through it just so that you made it to the end. And uh, Carrie was like, boy, do you see what happened in those last couple episodes? Just like, it was almost like you fell off a cliff in terms of the of the vulgarity. And it was like, man, these people were so clever. They, they kind of hook you in at the beginning, they drag you along, and then they slowly but surely diminish the morality and the uh, like the the awareness, right? We become more and more immune to 
things like the vulgarity. And all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, I'm hearing more and more of this. And the sexualized references are getting more and more like prominent and, and, and taking central, play, a central part. And it was just like, we're done. This is just, this is not what we want to have pouring into us. All right, back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. So I bring up this Ted Lasso series just to say, don't watch it. It is actually kind of quite clever and funny, but the amount of cringing that you do at the beginning, it's really interesting what the, um, I don't know, the way they really are in, but this was how we experienced it anyways. I, w- I want to give it to you um, in the following, like they, they start slowly and then they increase it, right? But I want to give you another story. This really happened. And it uh, it raises like kind of like eyes wide open, like what's at stake and letting stuff like this wash over us. So I want to tell you a story Then I'm going to read a scripture from Second Maccabees of all places that references this same kind of um, influence. And then I want to circle back around. Um, and the story was from a time that I was in the seminary. This is way back, 1984. Maybe it was in 1985, right around that time. And if I have to kind of contextualize it to make it relevant here, this was the age of VHS videotapes. <laughs> this is before like the internet and before streaming movies, right before DVDs. This was a lot of times you would videotape a movie off of the television from your VHS player at home. You'd record it and then you'd play the movie later. And what would happen is in the seminary, um, sometimes um, students would bring movies that they got from home. And so this was an instance where we were there. This was in the minor seminary. So I was a junior in college or maybe a senior. And um, we were there. Someone, someone's parent had brought in a VHS tape movie, popped in the movie, and the movie starts playing. I don't remember what movie it was, but I do remember this, that at the beginning of the movie, there were a couple of scenes, like a scene that came on, and it was one of those scenes where, like, as good young seminarians, we kind of, like, froze a little bit in our seats and kind of, like, held our breath and, like, didn't look at anybody, and it was just kind of like, okay, I'm not sure that that's exactly the kind of scene that we should be watching right now it wasn't like horrific or egregious but it was like okay that is really not appropriate okay let's okay it's just passed by okay i don't know what's happening in this movie but that was just a quick scene let's just keep moving on okay guys nothing to see here move on and then movie goes on a little bit further and then all of a sudden there's another scene that is like that and you're like okay wait a minute wait a minute i don't think we should be really watching this and then it passes by okay 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 the movies are funny otherwise it's it's kind of kind of hip and happening otherwise and then something really strange but true happens sometimes when people would record a movie on top of a a record movie on a vhs tape they're recording over another movie and so it was like okay i'm done using this tape for that movie let me just record another movie over it Well, sometimes these VHS players weren't perfect in their ability to do that. And so sometimes the quality of the new movie would kind of break up and the movie that was underneath it would pop out and would reappear on the screen. And that's what happened here. I'm telling you, this is what happened. That we're sitting here watching this movie where we're kind of cringing like, okay, I don't think we should be watching this. And then all of a sudden, the movie that was underneath this movie, it kind of like the screen kind of broke up and then the underneath movie popped on. And the movie that was underneath this new movie, the original movie that was recorded on this tape was Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. Yes, that's right. Now, you can imagine like, you kidding me. Are you serious? And the answer is, yeah, I'm serious. And guess what scene? Guess what scene broke through into the movie? It was Jesus being scourged at the pillar. 
Yes, Jesus being scourged at the pillar was the scene that broke through into the into onto the screen and we're watching Jesus be scourged at the pillar. And then all of a sudden that that movie kind of becomes all snowy again and the other movie that was taped over it comes back on. You can imagine what just happened at that point. At that point, well, the light goes on in the room. The movie that is now currently on gets turned off and guys quietly get up and leave the room. And it really happened. Isn't that like isn't that amazing? It's just kind of striking. And and yet it brings out a really powerful and important point. And it's that the lives we live today, the things that we do, and even the things that we permit, like the movies that we permit to come pouring over our lives, come to be shown before our eyes, they connect to our lives, yes. But if they dishonor God, if they dishonor our call to God, if they betray Jesus and his will for our lives, if they're a sin, if there are sinful aspects to watching that movie, then in fact, what broke through that movie and was made manifest before us in that room is in fact more true than we realized when it didn't happen. Namely, we were impacting what was happening to Jesus in his scourging at the pillar. For he was scourged for our offenses, for all of our offenses. And yes, even for those offenses, those offenses that we were committing by watching an unholy, impure, degrading film. It wasn't X-rated. I, I'm not even sure if it was R-rated, to be honest, but still what we we allowed to be presented to us was not holy. It wasn't right. It wasn't honoring. It wasn't honoring our call. It wasn't honoring our call to be pure, modest, chaste, and exercising self-control, right? It didn't do those things. It was washing over us really negative impacts. And what a mercy. Like, what a mercy that the Lord would like have that breakthrough and interrupt and disrupt what it was we were doing. And, you know, thanks be to God, right? Thanks be to God there was that, like that sense of awareness to do that. And I think sometimes that when we like are faced with situations like that, and how, I mean, come on now, how many of you and are faced with situations like that when it comes to streaming video content? Um, movies, shows, uh, binge-watching episodes of things, right? Like, it was so interesting. Um, I, I was watching a some episodes of a, um, uh, of a TV show called The Blacklist. And I, was, I only watched a few episodes, but something that really struck me about it was the fact that because it was shown on like mainstream television, um, there was no swearing. There was, I, I, I don't, I don't remember anyone taking the Lord's name in vain. There was certainly no nudity. There was like, uh, I don't remember really anything in the way of like sexuality. Um, and there was, there was some violence, but it was not nearly as, uh, well, there were a couple of bloody scenes, but n- Compared to what is, here you go, expected, par for the course, um, really unquestioned in terms of vulgarity, sexuality, violence, taking the Lord's name in vain, disregard for human life. Um, And then, of course, you have the presentation of Catholics or Christians as intolerant, extremists, simplistic, or um, racist, and um, even terrorists, yes. Um, 
and then you have incredibly sympathetic presentations of um, adulterers, unchastity, especially any lack of chastity when it comes to same-sex sexual activity, or even just the presentation of same-sex attracted individuals, relationships, um, and uh, those sorts of things, right? Uh, all sympathetically. Now, what does this do like to wash over us and wash over us and wash over us? And all of a sudden, it's like, what's it going to take to wake us up to what's at stake in that? What's it going to take to 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 wake us up to the negative impacts that it is sowing into our minds and our hearts in terms of like our awareness of uh, of like how we see things in the world or the attitudes that we have, right? The last several days I've been talking all about culture and how culture is something that we form in the home. It's something that we attempt to have developed and nurtured and promoted in parish life. And that includes the educational decisions we make. But really now I'm talking about the way that we then face this battle with regards to the world around us. And what is the world around us? What's it sowing into our lives? How's that impacting our lives? And boy, you know what? Maybe we need some more merciful breakthroughs, right? I don't know quite how the Lord disrupts streaming media to manifest the, um, you know, the scourging of Jesus uh, to remind us of like what's at stake. Yes, it impacts our how we see things and our attitudes and in our behaviors. It's going to diminish that sensitivity that we have to right and wrong, what's holy and what's uh, evil, what is profane and ugly, and what we just become numb to and just accept just slowly and gradually. But what about the Christ-crucifying, Christ-impacting aspect of things? Um, This week I heard a couple of homilies on... um, uh, on Census Fidelium, that channel on YouTube. And um, uh, there were a couple of homilies on the Holy Face. And I, there may have been that feast day. I, I don't know it. After, I'm going to have to kind of look that up, like why there was the emphasis on that and, and a couple of different homilies. But in one of the homilies, I was struck by an insight that I hadn't heard before but it beautifully corresponds to a theme that I find so very important um, in uh, my own life of faith. And it's something that, again, I was formed in so beautifully by the teachings of the Second Vatican Council and then really John Paul II and um, Pope St. John Paul II and Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI um, in their writings on the theme of encounter and event, this theology of event. Just like watching that movie was a typical act, but it was different. It had an event quality when I was in the seminary because of the way that literally Christ in his scourging broke through. Right? He broke through into that moment, and it disrupted what it was that we were experiencing. And the homily was about... Um, where about the reality of sin and how we are not really aware of the impact of sin until we encounter Christ. It's not just that we encounter the shame of our misdeed, but we really, really, really don't understand the meaning and the impact of sin until we encounter Christ looking at us, breaking into our awareness until we have that encounter with Jesus. And the example this priest gave was the, um, the reality of Peter's denial of Jesus during his passion. So Jesus is taken captive, as you know, and while he was being um, interrogated by the Sanhedrin, by the high priests, by the high priest and the, and the, uh, and the Sanhedrin, uh, 
the people began to charge Peter with being a follower of his. And as you know, he denies him once and twice. And it's after the third denial that he looks at Jesus. Jesus looks at him. The cock crows. And so the one who, during the Last Supper, said, I will never, never deny you. I will die for you. Denies him three times. And then he looks at Jesus. That's the encounter. He looks Jesus in the face, eye to eye. That's the encounter. And it's then that he recalled what he had said. And just he understood the meaning of the betrayal, what it cost Jesus in his betrayal. Jesus looked at him with love, with eyes of mercy and compassion, and then it says he began to be beaten, spit upon, struck by the soldiers of the Sanhedrin. There's a like a profoundly impactful reflection here on the reality of Peter's denial, the betrayal that that was, and what it cost Jesus further compassion, suffering, because of Peter's denial. If we know that, if we experience that, that will free us from sin. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. You know, I'm excited about um, some new things that are happening in my ministry, and I do encourage you to go to mycatholicfaith.org. And if you're listening to this, ask a favor. If you go to mycatholicfaith.org, you'll see um, several opportunities to uh, to allow me to bless you. I want I want you to be more fully blessed by the work of ministry that the Lord has put in my hands. And so one thing that you could do, actually to be a blessing to me, but it would allow me to connect more fully with you, is to click on the um, the Dr. Tom Curran podcast, which is this program. And so when you click on that, you have an opportunity to rate the uh, this program, to subscribe to it, and to leave some comments and feedback. So we've shifted away from the old name of the podcast, which was Sound Insight for Catholic Living with Dr. Tom Curran. This was not a very user-friendly, good marketing name for the podcast. So we call it now the Dr. Tom Curran podcast. Ta-da, there you go. Much easier to remember. But if you can like rate it, if you can leave a comment about it, if you can subscribe to it, it will increase the amount of visibility that Apple gives to this podcast, which will allow more people to find it and hopefully be blessed by it. Also, um, we are giving away free resources, and they're really free. I mean that. Um, No charge. There's no charge um, for anyone who wants to receive a resource. Um, I don't want to overwhelm you with resources, so if you do a very simple act and put in your email address, um, we're just going to email you one, one free resource a month. It'll often be an audio uh, presentation. It could be a series, an audio series um, that you'll be able to listen to um, on your phone. You can listen to it on your desktop, on your laptop, uh, in a variety of ways. So just a free resource. Sometimes it'll actually be a book in digital form. So I'll be giving away my mass book in digital form, my confession book in digital form, and yes, oh yes, my marriage book. I did complete it. I never published it, but now I'm going to give it away. Marriage, a gift from God. Why not let everybody know (laughs) on my 27th wedding anniversary that I'm surrendering it into the public's hands. So if you'd like a copy of Marriage, a Gift from God, free of charge, that's right, no hooks, no anything. I just want you to be blessed by it. Um, But it'll, it'll be in digital form. So That means you can read it on your computer, on your phone, on whatever kind of reading device you have. Um, You can print it out. You can read it that way if you want as well. 
and then videos. So I'll be producing more videos as well. And that's just one other area where I'm doing more work. Um, I think you know I, I've been praying the rosary live on Facebook and um, doing that at early in the morning, typically at 6 in the morning, sometimes a little earlier, sometimes a little bit later. Um, and I'm going to be varying the times a little bit. I just want to get a baseline of consistency first as I'm upgrading some of the production quality. Um, I want the experience of praying the rosary to be something that is um, an event. That's exactly, this is this is what I was talking about. Just like Peter was experiencing his denial of Jesus, maybe just within himself, when, the, when he was being confronted um, during Jesus' time in front of the Sanhedrin. Uh, but it wasn't until Jesus broke in and looked at him that it, he became aware of just what he had done. Well, when I pray the rosary live with you all, uh, and I hope you'll come in and check it out, you don't have to pray it with me live to still get this breakthrough quality. Um, the goal is for me to be praying in a way that really helps lift you up if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're in desperate straits, and, and you just need just prayer partners who will be with you, supporting you. If you can be there live, that's beautiful. If not, just listen to it. And again, all of that's accessible if you go to mycatholicfaith.org. We just have a, a very simple link to the rosaries that I'm praying on Facebook, as well as other video interviews that Carrie and I have done or that I've done through the years and we have on our YouTube channel, which again, you can subscribe to. You can you can become a friend or a follower or follower or fan of I Love My Catholic Faith on Facebook, or you can um, subscribe um, to the YouTube channel because we'll be producing more resources there as well. So that's that's it. Just wanting you to know um, as I'm uh, just discerning, that's one of the fruits really actually of Carrie and me going away um, was really focusing and saying, what's the Lord asking of me um, in ministry right now? And Carrie said something really beautiful. It was very profound. I found it very convicting that um, lots of folks that do church ministry um, have shifted to more and more online ministry as a way of continuing to operate their apostolates because of COVID limitations. And I think that's a good thing, finally, um, to be able to get more resources available. But more and more of them are like putting up like uh, sometimes substantial financial boundaries around getting access to resources. And Carrie's like, you know, I just feel like God... God might be giving you the opportunity to do just the opposite. Just give everything away for free. Just give it all away for free and, and don't worry about it. And just let God take care of you financially in other ways. And I'm like, you know, I really like that. I really like that. I really love that idea of just put it all out there and put yourself in a place of relying on the Lord. And so that that's what we're doing. And so pray for that, would you? Um, and yes, there is a link um, if anyone does want to make a tax-deductible donation, there is a link on mycatholicfaith.org where you can do that too. Um, but it, it, there's no requirement. It, it, that is not required. This, I really want you to have access to the resources that are there and um, and leave it at that. You know, leave it at that. And, and God will take care of us. We'll trust in the Lord. Okay. So um, coming back around to um, this reality, as Carrie and I were away, um, I did feel that sense of like we were away from our, our kids, but our kids were also away from us and from each other. It was it was the um, it was it was an odd moment, and I think it's a moment that is mirroring something that will be typical for us in the future, but I hadn't experienced it before. And so it was, it was like, um, it was foreign to me. And so it, it led me to pray, it, it just that a greater sense of like protection over my kids. What am I talking about? Well, first of all, my oldest daughter, Mary Grace, is uh, in, uh, outside of Portland, living with her uh, fellow missionaries that she had done mission work with. And here she is impacted by COVID, and feeling the impacts of that, um, still at home, but, you know, 
lingering for days some significant flu um, signs of the flu. And so just really wanting her to be cared for and not being able to be with her. Our second daughter in Boston, um, uh, with my family out there, um, also just in, in a challenging time. And so praying for her and feeling that sense of vulnerability. And here, here's, I guess, maybe the word, lack of control, right? Don't have the ability to kind of like control, like, here's how I'm sure that they're safe and here's how I know that they're cared for and here's how I know that they're provided for. No, they're out of my sight. They're out of my hands. They're out of my reach. Um, And so just trusting that they're okay. And then I have um, my daughter, Ariana, who is, uh, let's see, 17, at home with our three youngest, um, uh, Annalise, who's 12, um, Luciana, who is about to turn 11, she's 10, and um, Liliana, who just turned nine. And so here she is at home with our three little ones. Uh, Mary Grace was supposed to be with her. She's like 21, um, but she wasn't. So now my daughter's here with with the three little ones. And I'm like, okay, is uh, everything going to be okay? And, you know, we're an hour and a half away. And, and so feeling again, a sense of, okay, there, I'm, I'm a little bit like, I don't have that sense of control I want, uh, in, in the good sense, right? Just want, want to make sure everyone's okay. And then Mary Catherine, my 18 year old is with John Mark and John Luke and they're at this Apologetti camp, um, with a bunch of other, uh, Catholic high schoolers and, um, and Father Lewis and some other adult chaperones. And, you know, I felt good about where they were, but still wanting them to have a really powerful experience of faith and trusting that God had them. Well, it's like, wow, I have, like, our kids are, like, dispersed over, like, four different locations, and we're in a fifth location. And Carrie's like, uh, Tom, you know, you do realize this is like your future, right? <laughs> what about when none of them are living at home and they all have their own families? And what's it going to be like when you have grandchildren that you don't have the ability to like know what's happening day to day? And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like so many of you listeners. This is your circumstance and situation. Wow, man, that must lead you to pray. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Karn. It's great to be with you. So I um, want to use the last segment of this program to share with you a few thoughts about um, the programs of the last few days, um, because I'm aware that um, there are some of you that when you hear me talk about um, like things associated with mass and I bring up um, my family moving here to Eastern Washington and going to the traditional Latin mass. And especially over the last few days, talking about this idea of culture in our home and our parishes and our schools and in, um, and facing off against the world that, um, it rubs some people the wrong way. And it rubs some of you dear listeners the wrong way because it, um, it is received by you and, and I can't control how you receive it. It is received by you as um, I um, reject the the new mass, the Novus Ordo mass, or I don't like the new mass, or the mass that I grew up with, um, and I'm trying to convince everybody to go to the traditional Latin mass or to move to Idaho. Um, I'm really not. I'm really not. Uh, and 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 just I want to say this. So first of all, my goal is not to upset you and to disturb the peace or to um, you know, get you to uh, be in a place where, okay, this is Tom kind of beating the same old drum. Um, one of the things that has sort of like grown up in me in the last few years, in the time of the revelation of the Theodore McCarrick scandal, this is now three years ago from this summer of shame, um, where it was revealed that, you know, he was a predator, and, um, and all those things that have happened, you know that, right? Is that 
um, uh, it's, it's the, the language I've used was is sort of the scales fell from my eyes and I realized that being relentlessly positive in helping you, dear listeners, to like um, understand our Catholic faith and its beauty and truth and goodness, to explore our Catholic faith more fully as it's expressed in the scriptures, in our tradition, and how it can be lived today, and to help promote our Catholic faith in the world. First of all, in our own parishes, but then going forth from our parishes into the world. That I, doing that work and, and you know, passionately pursuing that mission for almost 30 years, right, three years ago, now it's over 30 years, um, is something that if I measured the impact of that in terms of like wider, like adherence to the Catholic faith among people in my generation and younger, well, the numbers have gone down. Things have gotten worse from a statistical perspective. Now, what's, my, what's been my commitment to help foster a greater participation in the Mass? Well, I'll put down my Mass book. You know, I, I've given this Mass talk on, you know, four encounters with Jesus that will transform your life. It'll change your life. I've given that talk, I don't know, hundreds of times all over all over the state of Washington and in a bunch of states around the country, published it in terms of, well, way back in cassette tapes and then CDs and then DVDs and VHS tapes and then DVDs and, and then online making it available and published this book that has over 50,000 copies sold. Um, all an attempt to help Catholics come alive in their participation at the new mass. And so if I think about the commitment that I have made, intentional, serious, significant efforts to help Catholics, to help you, dear brothers and sisters, who could access these resources, come alive in faith in terms of helping your participation at the new mass, at the mass in English, at the mass that, again, the great, great majority of you attend, I don't know. I, I've done a lot. I've been super committed to it. It's the talks that I, I'm most often asked to give. It's the talks where if I opened up my file and said, which talks, Tom, do you get the most powerful and most numerous um, positive feedback saying, boy, you've impacted my life of faith more than any? It would be that talk. It would be those series. It would be those resources and I still get people asking to send copies of the book uh, or get access to the videos. And again, I just give them away. So do I have a love for the Mass? Absolutely. Do I have a hope that you will participate in the Mass in a way that has this likelihood of this encounter with Jesus? Absolutely. It's, I've been passionately committed to that for my whole life in ministry, but very specifically, explicitly, and concretely through the presentations I've given, through the resources I've made and distributed, through the books that I had published and I distribute, through my talking about it on the radio, through promoting Eucharistic adoration. And so I desperately desire you and your family to come alive in faith and to have a deep personal transformative encounter with Jesus Christ at Mass, at whatever Mass you attend, at whatever Mass your family is attending. Um, and so I just, I want you to hear that. If, if maybe I don't say that enough, if I don't um, talk about that enough, um, all as frequently as, in the past year uh, or two or year and a half, I've introduced more about the way in which the traditional Latin mass has had an impact on my life. Um, you know, it's, I haven't rejected the new mass. No, not at all. Not at all. It's that I, I want to be about the work that the Lord has me to do. And just like I talked about, like, reading the signs of the times and interpreting them in the life of the gospel. 
reading the signs of the times and interpreting the light of the gospel. That's what I'm also trying to do right now. And we live in hard times. And we live in hard times that are getting harder because of society and the culture that it's breeding. And for you to live your Catholic faith well, and for you to raise a family in faith well, is an enormous task. And if you struggle with that, if you struggle with some of the things that I'm sharing um, on the radio where it, it might rub up against you the wrong way, it might make you feel like, okay, okay, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not there or I disagree with you, I'm happy to hear from you. I am. I'm happy to hear from you. I'm happy to talk with you about that. And, um, and, and you know, let's have a conversation. So, but I do, I ask your forgiveness if what I've said um, has hurt you, if what I've said has made you feel discouraged or let down or upset about how I've talked about um, the way that you have read the signs of the times and you've interpreted them in the light of the gospel for your family. You absolutely have that responsibility that is yours. Not everyone has the same call. Not everyone is going to discern and decide in the same way for their families. And so I completely respect that. Um, at the same time, please, um, if you're able to, just pray for me. Right? Pray for me that if I am off in my own approach to things, if I am uh, like not discerning correctly or have been misguided in the things that I've shared, you know what? Pray for me. Pray that I'll, um, I'll be enlightened, that I'll be humble enough to receive uh, the Lord correcting me, shifting my perspective, um, so that I'll be the voice that the Lord intends me to be. Um, what, I, what I strive to do is to fulfill my God-given call. That's what I strive to do. I strive to do it on the radio, with every word I speak, every story I share, every insight that I think is an insight that I present. And I do realize that when I share that way, it's going to not always be just, um, it's not always going to be ruthlessly positive or relentlessly positive. Sometimes it will be prophetic, but it should be reverent. And prophetic can, can rub people the wrong way. It will. And so I'm open to hear from you. And, um, and anyways, I just wanted you to hear that. I just wanted you to hear that because I do realize that in the last few days that some of the things I've shared have been a bother and have upset some of you or you feel like, okay, I'm kind of jumping on that same old message again. I tried to do it differently. I really did. I wasn't, I was really trying to address that, that voice of the parents and grandparents that I've heard and how I would address that in terms of John Paul II's answer about culture. But I don't think I did it well for everyone. And for that, I'm sorry. All right, God bless you. Join me on Monday for more Sound Insight.